Well, last time I talked to the people from downtown. What was the last movie you went to? Miguel, what's new? Miguel, what's new in the community? Have you gotten any feedback about the Twitter feed? First of all, for the people who contact us on Twitter. About a certain research. Can you tell me more? Well, depends who you talk if you talk to the people from the board. Why did the yogurt go to the art museum? Did you see in the news? To get more culture. Welcome to another episode of the Community Board Podcast with your host, Miguel Valdez. And today we're doing this podcast via Zoom across the nation. We're here in Minnesota and our guest today is in Phoenix, Arizona. And today our guest is Dr. Esther Ruiz. Doctor, welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, uh, how are you doing today? How's how's the weather in Arizona? Well, it's warm here, but it's a little less warm than last week. So you know, we count each degree when it's cooler. So <laughs> yeah, here in Minnesota, in Minnesota, we're we're I think we're gonna get to the low 80s today and that's really hot for this part of the country what is the average weather uh, during this time of the year in, well in during this time we're we're above 100 wow. so you know so we've already hit 112 i think already but today it's supposed to like be closer to the low hundreds like 105 so okay. see for us under 110 it's not so bad, but once it gets to the 120s, then it's hot, you know. So, wow. and for us too, the a big difference for us is humidity. If it's hot and humid, it becomes unbearable. If it's if it's hot and dry, it's more tolerable. And the, the humidity comes because of some clouds, rain, or or because wind coming from the west coast. All of them, all of, you know, can be any. You know, okay. um, and uh, and you know if you're if it's hot, well, it's hot. But if it's humid, you feel like you're you're slow roasting. You know, <laughs> you feel no. like you're on in a crock pot. <laughs> I bet, I bet. So, Doctor, yeah. um, can you share with us a little bit? Um, well, let me share with our guest or or audience. Um, you were one of the original uh, founders of the chapter of, um, of the National Association of Hispanic Nurses in Arizona. Can you give us a little bit of background of, of the association, of the National Association okay, the, of uh, Hispanic the, Nurses? Um, the association, the National Association of Hispanic Nurses was originally founded in 1975 in, in New York. Um, by Laura Rodes, Murillo Rodes, and um, uh, it was it was founded to bring Hispanic nurses together, and uh, the focus of the organization is to work on issues relevant to the Hispanic population. So the the more we can uh, mentor, uh, sponsor, um, educate Hispanic nurses, then the better 
uh, uh, professionals there are they are for the Hispanic community, and that's what the whole purpose of the organization is to be able to to focus on the Hispanic Hispanic population and to focus on issues and you know diseases and disorders that are relevant to the Hispanic population. And we do that by focusing on the Hispanic nurses and you know, encouraging them to participate in their community and to provide services for the community. And so, so we do a lot of networking with other groups. Um, you know, we have a national conference and in, here in Arizona, we also have a state conference every year. Um, so, you know, we provide education for our nurses in our, in our you know, the chapter, the Phoenix chapter. Uh, we have monthly meetings. Um, we have uh, projects, community projects we participate in. Um, so there's a, a whole bunch of stuff we do. And what about you? Can you give us a little bit of the background? How did you find out about this organization or what were you seeking for to be part of something like this? Well, um, in the 1980s, which is when my friend Bertha Sepulveda and I started talking about developing a chapter in Phoenix, because there was a national chapter at that time, but there wasn't a chapter in, in every state, you know, but um, we needed something local. What was going on in our area at that time is um, nurses who spoke Spanish were being asked to, in, you know, translate for patients, which, you know, it, you of course want to do that, but then that would take them away from their work and, and they wouldn't get help for finishing their work, you know? So it's kind of like they were doing extra duty, so to speak. Um, and so that's when we decided that we needed to form a group that we could talk to the hospitals, that we could educate them and, you know, um, you know, have something done. Eventually, I mean, it was a big struggle. It wasn't overnight. But eventually, the nurses who could translate were given a differential, you know, so a little more income to be able to translate because it, otherwise, you know, you felt abused. Not that you didn't want to translate, not that you didn't want to help your community, but then you got behind in your work and there was nobody to help you with it. So, so that's how we originally started. And then from that, we went from one issue to another. You know, there's been many issues we've taken on. So, Yeah. And, and what about currently? Um, I used to, I used to practice. What kind of patients yes, do you see? Well, I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner and I'm a, a psychologist as well. So my area is mental health. So psychiatric, you know, psychiatric mental health. That, that's where I just, I'm in, a, I'm an independent, uh, you know, practitioner. Um, but I work for an outfit called Brain Solutions. Okay. Doctor, during this time of the pandemic, um, do you have any recommendations um, to how to take care of our mental health status? You know, because we've been mm -hmm. uh, since mid-March of 2020, at least here in Minnesota, you know, with the stay-home uh, mm -hmm. stay orders and stay safe mm -hmm. now. And they're trying to open, but now they see some... Uh, 
more the uh, infa infection cases of COVID again, and they might be closing again yeah. some site. How does that affect us or mental health? And, and any recommendations that you have that you can share with us? Well, um, one of the things, Arizona is one of those states that tried to, you know, open up and then our, uh, our COVID rate went up significantly. And so um, we were closing down again, you know, so uh, to try to get it, get that under okay. control. So, so um, one of, what I see is that there's a lot of uncertainty and uncertainty creates anxiety. And uh, so one of the things that I recommend to, you know, the people I see and the people I talk to is that it's very important, even if you're working from home, that you keep a schedule. Or even if you're not working, if you got furloughed or whatever, you need to keep a schedule. Your brain needs to know that you're getting up for a reason tomorrow. You know, um, if you're just kind of, you know, and it's okay if when you first get furloughed or, you know, you start where you take it easy, but you still have to, you have to keep yourself going. And, and a schedule is one way to do that. And, you know, it can just, it can be that you get up at the, a certain time the same day, um, that you have your coffee, you know, that you watch the news and then you exercise. You know, it can be things like that. Um, but it's important that because that routine is what helps us to keep going and our work provides that for us and school provides that for the children. And so what I'm hearing a lot is from parents who have kids who are now home. I mean, they're like going nuts now because, you know, they're not used to that. The parents or the kids, they're not used to that much free time all the time. They're used to it during the summer, but usually we plan ahead what we're going to do for the summer. Yeah, but the, you know? the, all the camps for the summer are canceled too. It, yeah, everything's canceled. And, and you plan vacations and now you can't do that easily. Yeah, you know? pools also are closed. So. Yeah, yeah. So so um, so it's important that you, you not only plan your schedule, but that you plan a schedule for your kids if you have your kids at home with you. Because they get anxious too, don't know what's going on, you know, they need, they need that structure too. So yeah. that's one of the most important things I think. And then the other thing is exercise is very important because exercise is a way to release emotion. You know, if you're sad, it's a way to release sadness. If you're anxious, it's a way to release anxiety. So. Okay. Doctor also, um, there with the pandemic, um, also have show other um, other needs in our communities, you know, and and so and also have show how some communities are more affected than others. This year on on uh, on 2020, uh, we're we're having the census again. Every 10 years, mm -hmm. we conduct a census where everybody gets counted. Um, why is it important for all communities to participate in these um, op opportunities, you know, to be counted? Mm -hmm. Well, I, you know, I think one of the important um, uh, uh, purposes of the uh, census is, 
you know, to get a grasp on how large our community is, you know, how many people there are in the United States and how many people there are in particular areas. And um, because that, that allows, you know, our government to plan for what will be needed, what kind of um, freeway structure, you know, roads, you know, will be needed, what kind of schools will be needed, will there be additional health care facilities, hospitals needed. The census gives um, support for why some of those services are needed in, in specific areas. Um, and, you know, a, a more personal thing is the census also provides ancestry information. <laughs> You know, for those people who are interested in ancestry, you know, years from now, you know, they might be looking at this census and saying, oh, yeah, Esther Ruiz, she, she had a son and her, and her son had, you know, three kids, you know, yeah. um, and, and the census information helps to provide that as well. But um, the census is a, is, is a fountain of knowledge, you know. And a lot of researchers look at the census information to try to figure out, uh, you know, where areas of need might be and, uh, and what kind of resources are needed where. Yeah, I learned uh, that the census was established since the beginning of the country, at the uh -huh. beginning of the country. I think President uh, Washington ordered to a census to be conducted. Mm hmm from since the beginning. In your case, do you remember the first census? Uh, well, I don't want to put you in the spot to share your age, but do you remember the first time that you, that you participated in the census or that somebody came to your house back then and knocked? Because I grew up in Mexico and I remember the census uh, probably since I was in either middle school or elementary school because they were doing a big campaign that somebody with a hat and a vest and a kind of like a bag were going to come home and there were plenty mm -hmm. commercials, you know, how what to look like and when, you know, what kind of questions they were asking. Do you remember when was it? Well, know, I remember um, as a, I think I was maybe around 12 years old or so because my mother didn't speak English and the person who knocked on the door didn't speak Spanish. So she oh. needed me to translate for her. But I remember our being very suspicious, you know, why do you need this? Why, you know, why are you asking us these questions about who lives here? You know, so, so, uh, but you know, after, after you do it for a few times then you, you get more comfortable. So. Yeah, I know. And, and, at least in my case, I, I work on the, on the research field, and mm -hmm. and we always we always go back to the census when we write in for a grant or finding information or trying to understand um, why some populations are affected differently from others. Um, what about in your case? Um, how was you growing up as a minority and trying to get in the in the medical field. How was that growing up? Was back then, was it easy as a Latino woman to get in the field or in, in within your own culture with your family? 
Well, uh, you know, my father, both my parents are now deceased, but um, my my parents were very traditional in their very traditional Latinos in their worldview. And my father had a fourth grade education from the United States and my mother had a third grade education from Mexico. Um, and, you know, nonetheless, you know, I admire my parents a lot because with that education, they did quite a bit, even though because they were farm laborers, you would think they, you know, they didn't get very far, but they did get very far in, in, in many ways because my mom could add and, and subtract and multiply and divide and she never got cheated when we were out working in the fields whereas a lot of our neighbors did because, you know, they did, couldn't, you know. Um, so I always admired her for that. And my dad spoke English and Spanish. So he was always, um, you know, one of the workers that was never let go because he was needed to translate for, you know, the work that other people did. But my dad was very traditional and there were 12 of us. So he didn't want me to go to high school. Now, when we were in school, um, my, my, one of my tias, one of my aunts told my mom that C's were bad and my mom didn't know any better. And so she was spanked us if we got C's. So I got one C one time and she spanked me. Oh, it's C. My, okay. my second C, she spanked me again. And then I thought, oh, she means business. So then I never got a C after that, you know, but in, in some ways, even though it sounds harsh, it was very helpful because it helped me to do well in school. Um, and when it came time for for me to go to high school, my dad didn't want me to go because I have an older brother than me. My older brother went to high school because he was going to have a family someday, you see, and he was going to have to support that family. Um, that's the way my dad thought. But I was not going to have a family, or I mean, if I did, I was going to be supported. Some man was going to support me, my husband, you know, so I didn't need to go to school. He wanted me to go to work so I could help support his family because, you know, that he was traditional in that way. And I remember my mom, my mom, who was a very humble, very quiet, timid woman. She said, oh, yes, she's going to go <laughs> to high school. And uh, she, my dad was kind of a volatile kind of, you know, could get very angry kind of man. He's, and he said, no, she's not. And my mom said, oh, yes, she is. And it was, you know, for us that were observing that, it was kind of like a first time my mom had ever stood up to my dad. And we were like in shock, you know. And my dad said, oh, no, she's not. And my mom said, oh, yes, she is. She never raised her voice, but she said, oh, yes, she is, because I don't want when she grows up and gets married for her husband to call her stupid the way you've called me all my life. And my dad didn't say anything to that. And I went to high school. So when I went to high school, my, uh, my seventh grade teacher had gotten really interested in me and, and making, so he, he had planned my high school curriculum and he had me on a college prep course, but I didn't know that. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, my parents couldn't help me because they didn't go to high school, you know, and college. Somebody was thinking about college for me. I wasn't thinking about college. All I was thinking is I didn't want to work in the sun, out in the sun. I didn't want to work in the fields. So my idea of that was to become a secretary. So when I went to high school, my, my Mr. Loden, my seventh grade teacher, 
he had this college prep course worked out for me and he told me what to take. But any anywhere there was an elective, I would take typing and shorthand, you know, stuff like that that secretaries would need. Um, and I didn't care about the rest. I mean, I did well because, you know, if you got to see, you get a spanking. So, so by then, you know, I was invested in doing well in school. And, um, and Mr. Loza paid for me to take the ACT. And, uh, and when I took the ACT, then I started getting all kinds of offers from college, you know. And, you know, anything that was out of state, we, I didn't even bother to look at because, you know, number one, I hadn't thought about going to college. And, you know, that was not in my worldview. Nobody around me, you know, you know, went to college. The people who went to high school tended to drop out or not stay in. Um, and so college, that was like a very foreign thing. But then Arizona State University, that was about an hour away from where we lived, sent me a full ride scholarship. Wow. You know, they were offering tuition, you know, the dorm, food, books, you know, the, everything. That's what they offered. And, you know, that kind of got my attention. That was kind of like, you know, it's an opportunity. And, yeah. you know, maybe I should take it. And Mr. Loden, of course, was pushing me to do that. He was behind me all the way. Um, but it was a very scary thing for me because, you know, I had never been out left. I had never left home. I had never spent the night somewhere else, you know. So so um, that's how I ended up going to to school. And then it, when it came time to decide, in those days, you had to declare a major. Now you can go undeclared, you know. From not the beginning? Know but in those days, you had to declare. Wow. And uh, I, I could only think of three things be a secretary, which I didn't need to go to college to, or be a teacher. I had 10 younger brothers and sisters. There was no way I wanted to be a teacher, you know? And then, and then the third thing was to be a nurse because there was a school nurse. So I had some experience with school nurses. So, so that's how I chose nursing, you know, and nursing has been very good to me. I've, I've gotten to do a lot of things. So, I mean, it was like, Mr. Loden intervention and divine intervention, I think. And, you know, a lot of luck, you know. Doctor, I have a question for you. Um, mm -hmm. My mom is, uh, is also a nurse and she was the neighbor or the family member who everybody came to, hey, can you do put a shot on me? You know, mm -hmm. did that mm -hmm. happen to you? Where everybody yes. come and ask you? Yeah, everybody comes. Random and hours me. of the day. Yeah. Yeah, they call me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm, and and now, kind of like I'm also like assumed like the social worker role, <laughs> you know, kind of like, hey, do you know what to do about this, you know, or you know, I can't figure out how to do this, you know, or you know that kind of stuff. Or and also like, you know, look at this. Do you think I need to go to the doctor? Just you know that kind of stuff, you know. So yeah, doctor. What about um, for our younger generations? Do you have any advice for those uh, kids that sometimes they feel this disenfranchised, you know, either because they were born here in the United States or they're from a, let's say, a, a Latino culture country. And sometimes uh, with 
everything that is happening in in the nation you know everything is politics and uh, and you know sometimes kids uh younger or younger adults don't feel that they're welcome or fitting here or, or uh they they want to go to college but they don't see the picture doesn't paint them in the future any recommendation or advice that you can give to those younger generation well yeah you know um i i when i was in high school i never saw a counselor <laughs> you know because I guess you have to promote yourself. You have to be the one to go and seek that in those days. You had to ask for that. And I didn't know to do that. You know, if it hadn't been for Mr. Loden, I'd probably still be working in the fields, I think. You know, and probably that would hurt a lot at my age, you know. But yeah. uh, but I think one of the first things is that do well in school, you know, because that you don't know how that's going to help you. You know, you don't think that school is relevant or that some of the things that get taught, it's taught in school is relevant. Sometimes we get, you know, uh, we despair that, you know, it's stupid, you know. But I just uh, have a client who is a very well-informed client and, and very intelligent client, but she never graduated from high school. And she applied for a job <clears throat> and they wanted her. And then they got the information that she didn't have a high school degree. Wow. And because she didn't have a high school degree, she didn't get that job, you know? So, I mean, it, it's that sometimes it's that simple because employers have to justify, why did I hire this person without a high school degree? Even though I know she would be very capable for the job. When I had 10 other people who already had a high school degree, they have to justify, and especially any of the public sector, any of the hospitals who are in the public sector, they have to justify why they did that, you know? And if you don't have that minimum qualification, sometimes that's what will keep you. Or, um, you know, I saw a, a, a young man two years ago who, um, very angry young man mm -hmm. and uh, his parents didn't know what to do with him and you know he would not he needed medication he wouldn't take it you know and then he ended up going back to Mexico which is where his mother was and all kinds of things happened to him and he just called me earlier this week and uh, he's a totally different man now he's a totally different young man because now he had to learn the hard way that he's going to have to work to get what he wants. And so he's telling me, you know, I have an anxiety problem and I have an anger problem and it's going to get in the way of my goal, which is someday to own a small business. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> you know, okay, I can help you with that, you know, you know, and yes. Isn't that sometimes, most of the time, uh, when we decided we're ready to change, that's when yeah. the... Yeah. yeah, change happened because I have read articles where they say that even if there is a, a family support, a community supporting, a faith 
community trying to support uh, somebody or until that individual sometimes make that decision, make that click to mm-hmm. their tired, sick of uh, struggling. Uh, I understand too, uh, let's be clear that sometimes there's people who never seen the the light at the end of the tunnel. But sometimes a lot of times it's within us to to mm-hmm. decide to to do that first step to change. Well, you know, and, and his his coming back and asking for help to me is, is very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, two years ago when I saw him, I thought, well, okay, Esther, you know, maybe you weren't the right person for him. You know, because he was yeah. brought by yeah. his parents. You know, he was here against his will. His parents were forcing me on him, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, and it's, 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 you wonder, you know, sometimes if there was something you could have done different. But that he came back to me was very satisfying because he's coming back now on his own with his own goals, you know. And, he, he, and he's coming across as a totally different person, you know. Not, yeah. not a... It's a it's a hard time for our young people right now, mm-hmm. I think. Doctor, do you have anything that you would like to share about the about the National Association of Hispanic Nurses? Any event that is coming up? Um, anything that the, our listeners should know? Well, our national conference is going to be in Miami this year, but it it just got you know, postponed. Uh, we were, our local conference here, our state conference is going to be in July next month. And we, we have to, we had to postpone it till June of next year. Um, so because of the COVID, so the COVID has, you know, affected a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we're, we're right now, what we in our local chapter, and I know the national chapter has, what to, they call it cafecito. So every week, you know, nurses tune in and they talk about, you know, what's going on. With, and in our local chapter, what we're doing is we have a support group for those nurses who are very involved with COVID, you know, and it and it's, uh, it's traumatic for some of them. You know, it's traumatic to watch somebody, someone die and not be able to hold their hand, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's traumatic to worry because you're working with COVID uh, patients to that you might bring it home, you know, to your, to your family. Yeah. It's a and, uh, burnout already within yeah. the yeah. service providers, so, the whole industry. Yeah. So that's what, um, you know, and the latest thing we just had at one of our support groups last night is, you know, the, the, the part about, because of the changes that way that COVID is effect, affecting hospitals financially and the, you know, the big surge they're having here and we're, you know, hospital beds, you know, so they're, they're thinking of changing the nurse patient rate ratio, which is not good for our nurses, you know, Latinas or otherwise, you know, um, that's certainly not good for the patients, but, you know, they're doing the best they can, you know, the hospitals are doing the best they can, I think, with what they have and, and what they know about this virus. So, 
so the, our support groups right now for the purpose of just providing support, just letting people talk, you know, because sometimes you don't feel comfortable burdening your family with yeah. what's going on, you know, at work. So totally. Because I'm sometimes, reach, yeah. Sorry. No, I, I was going to say, I'm going to be sharing here in the information and in this podcast the link of the National Association of the Hispanic Nurses. So if somebody's interested in, uh, so they can go and visit your your website and also if there is any social media presence, I'm going to be also posting it in here. So I want to... I wanna... One of the big things for that our organization does is we provide scholarships for students who are interested in going to, into nurses, oh. into becoming a nurse. So we provide scholarships at our local and the national uh, organization provides scholarships also. Great. That's great information. I'll look it up and then try to put that link directly too. So I want to say thank you for agreeing to be taking part in this podcast and all the work that you do and sharing with us uh, some of your personal uh, background and, and the work that you do. Anything else that you would like to add today? It's, I, I would say um, it's important whether you're a student or, you know, whether you're a parent at home right now with your kids or whether you're working from home, that you take it one day at a time, that you take breaks, you know, that you exercise, that you eat healthy, as healthy as you can, and uh, that you you focus on taking care of yourself during this time. So, Well, thank you. Thank you so much, doctor. And we'll stay tuned. Please follow us on iTunes, where you can find this podcast under the name of Community Board Podcast on SoundCloud. You also can find us under Community Board Podcast on Facebook. You can follow us under Community Board on Twitter, also, you can find us on their community board and we post their, the podcast. And please share this podcast with friends and family and stay tuned for new episodes. Or if you want to share something with your community, please reach out to us and we'll be happy to have you as a guest. Thank you and stay tuned. Well, last time I talked to the people from downtown. What was the last movie you went to? Miguel, what's new Miguel, what's new in the community? Have you gotten any feedback about the Twitter feed? First of all, for the people who contact us on Twitter. About a certain research. Can you tell me more? Well, depends who you talk if you talk to the people from the board. Why did the yogurt go to the art museum? Did you see in the news? To get more culture.